and welcome into Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by Total Beverage in Thornton and Westminster and Superbook Sports. I'm your host, JJ Jerez. With me, Arif Dean. We're here following the Stanley Cup Championship game. Arif, the avalanche are finally Stanley Cup champions after so many years, ups and downs, lots of heartbreak. They did it, and uh, what a rewarding thing it was for all as fans, as media, avalanche players to see Gabe Landeskog finally raise that cup. What an incredible moment. That was, um, I, I don't even want to say top two or three or five. That was the coolest thing I've ever experienced in my life. Watching these guys battle the way they did, finish off that game the way they did, and then celebrate the way they did. There was just so much emotion on that ice. And I, I know every team goes through this, but, you know, a lot of you listeners are going to feel the same way. You've been following these stories for a very long time. Gabriel Landeskog's story. There was a tweet that I shared uh, a couple of days ago, uh, came up in my Facebook memories, and it was a quote of Gabe Landeskog talking about how in 2011 when he got drafted, he said that he grew up with the Stanley Cup poster of the 2001 Avalanche team on his wall, and one day he wanted to be part of that picture. Well, I walked up to Gabriel Landeskog, and I wanted to ask him about that, and before we even asked him, he mentioned it. He said, when I was a kid, I had the Avalanche's 2000. Oh, no, no, he said, at my draft, I said it. I had the Avalanche's poster on my wall, and when I got drafted 11 years ago, I said I wanted to be part of that picture. So he's been holding on to that for 11 years the same way that I had been holding on to it. Not only part of that picture, but he said part of that picture in this jersey. In this jersey. And that's even more important here, right? Because all the ups and downs that he's been through, I mean, there were a few times where it was a question if he was even going to remain an Avalanche for a while, a couple times throughout his tenure. And, uh, yeah, so to see him be able to do that and, yeah, so much emotion, right? It felt like he was happier for his teammates than he was for himself. And that's just, I mean, obviously the the captain he is. There's no surprise there. But that's that's what you could tell in his eyes, that he was happy that the guys around him got it done, not yeah. just that he was able to get it done. I love the quote he had about Eric Johnson. He talked about Eric and the highs and the lows that he had. And he said, I told Eric Johnson years ago to be ready because when we win this thing, you're getting it first. And lo and behold, I mean, that was the easiest prediction you can have in, in this world that Gabe Landeskog was going to pass the cup to Eric Johnson. And obviously he did. And, and it was an incredible moment. We saw when the, when the final whistle blew and the buzzer sounded and the avalanche won, Nathan McKinnon bull rushed Eric Johnson, damn near gave him a concussion, tackled him to the ice, and they shared a moment and celebrated. The entire team was on one end together. And Nathan McKinnon and Eric Johnson were by themselves, by the blue line, just rolling around in excitement. Um, that's, that's the beauty of winning these things. It's These players care about more about the stories of others around them than they do about themselves. Jack Johnson, we saw Eric Johnson celebrating with Jack. I saw Eric walking up to Jack's family, and a kid looked at him and said, Eric, do you remember me? And he looked down and went, oh, my God, you're his younger brother, and then went on to talk about how he hasn't seen you were this short the last time I saw you in 2010 because in 2010, Jack and Eric were Olympic teammates for the U.S. Olympic team. So these people just care so much about each other, and it was just such a phenomenal moment to see how much everybody genuinely enjoys the moment, but they enjoy who they want it with more than anything. And there wasn't a single player you can talk to that wasn't talking about teammates. Even Nazem Kadri, who had the quote of the night, which I'll get to in a little bit, even Nazem Kadri was talking about the core we have here and how good we could be for years and years and how our young players are still growing up. And, you know, talking as if he's going to be a part of this team for a while, which who the hell knows. But just to see the way that these guys celebrated with each other was, was just the epitome of what it meant for this team to be a champion. 
Yeah, I mean, obviously it's no Ray Bork situation, but it really felt like Eric Johnson was it a was lot right of there. people's motive for, for winning this thing, right? I mean, we talked to him after he was emotional. Tells us about how he almost retired last year, right? And he stuck it. He stuck through so much with this team. Obviously, long, longest tenured uh, Colorado athlete, let alone Avalanche. And I remember when he signed that deal. Um, what, what was it? Seven years ago now? Six years ago. It's Six got one years more year left. Um, and that was his quote, right? Uh, I'd love to look back when all my time's done here, and we, after we've won a few cups, we'll one down. We'll see uh, how many yeah. he's actually a exactly. part of it moving forward. But just to see him get one, and uh, you know, he's always been one of the nicest guys too. I mean, you you just have nothing but um, just great feelings for these guys. It's it's I'm speechless, right? It's almost like. The players, when you're asking them to, to vocalize their feelings after winning the cup, and none of them can. I mean, I mean that's kind of how I feel right now. Obviously, I didn't win the cup at all, but, I mean, it's just all the emotion, everything that people were uh, just saying out there, all the hugs, all the parents crying, all the wives crying. I mean, it, it was just very validating for these guys for everything they've been through. Absolutely. It was – it's it's just – it was such an incredible moment to witness. It was – like, I, I, I don't think we can truly put into words at almost one in the morning just how cool it was to see these guys celebrate with each other, to see them celebrate with their families. You know, all the different stories is just so phenomenal. Nathan McKinnon, I haven't won shit. Eric Johnson, I almost retired last year. Gabe Landeskog, almost got traded. Well, not almost got traded, but was, you know, rumored in 2017 and said over and over and over again that he wanted to remain with this team. And then last year, obviously signing that seven-year contract and every single person saying we never thought for a second he was going to leave. Seeing Nathan McKinnon, Eric Johnson, uh, Gabe Landeskog, JT Comfort, Miko Rantanen get together for a picture and all of them joke with each other from 48 points to champions and in five years. Like it's just the stories are what make it. Darcy Kemper, one-year goalie. You don't see a lot of goalies, by the way, in recent memory, and I'm not going to be able to list it off the top of my head, but you don't see a lot of goalies in recent memory win a Stanley Cup that were not drafted by the team that they were playing on. Because you had Vasilevsky both times. The St. Louis Blues drafted Bennington. The Capitals drafted Holtby. The Penguins drafted Matt Murray. They obviously won it two in a row. The Blackhawks won with Corey Crawford. The LA Kings with John Quick. The Blackhawks, the Kings. In 2011, it was the Boston Bruins with their guy, uh, Tim Thomas. That's the last time that a goalie that wasn't drafted by his team won the Stanley Cup. It's that hard to do it. And for Darcy Kemper to come in, say what you want about him, but the way he closed it down when the Avs took a 2-1 to lead, even that storyline, coming from the Arizona Coyotes, where he was shelled two years ago by this very team, and now he's a Cup champ. Yeah, I mean, you look at Darcy Kemper, and you know, obviously he was taking a lot of heat from a lot of Avs fans, and um, for him to only allow one goal in that game when they needed him the most, I think the Avalanche were waiting for Darcy Kemper to come in and, and take a game and have, have a night where he is better than Vasilevsky. And I feel like tonight that that was the case. And aside from the third period where the Avalanche really shut it down and the Lightning weren't really able to generate much offense at all, I think Darcy Kemper was finally able to outplay Vasilevsky. So, I mean, huge credit to his night tonight. Um, yeah, and again, he's... Only been here a short time, but he's already been through a lot as well. So um, just to see that giant smile on his face was so refreshing. And just, I mean, you can't feel anything but good feelings for these guys. Like I said, I mean, it's just, it's heartwarming. That's that's the only word you can use, heartwarming. The love that's uh, in that locker room and the camaraderie and the bonding that they've been through. I mean, you, you saw it on the ice tonight.
and most importantly for me, it was it was great to see Darcy Kemper win the four Stanley Cup final games. You know, coming into the final, it was six wins for Frankie, six wins for Kemper, and we have to give a shout out to Frankie. He's around for two more years for sure, and he was six and zero in the playoffs. This cup doesn't get done without Francis. Absolutely not. And uh, but Darcy, for him to win all four of those Stanley Cup final games, when the Avalanche traded a first and Connor Timmins for him, actually. When the Avalanche traded a first, Connor Timmins, and a third, because they now have to give the Coyotes a third mm -hmm. for winning the Stanley Cup, which I'm sure Joe Sackick will kiss it away and say, you can have it, keep the change. This is exactly what they had envisioned. They had envisioned Darcy Kemper going all the way and uh, leading this team to, to, to where they are. And, you know, say what you want about him. Say what you want about his game. And I know a lot of people have question marks, and we don't even know if he's going to be back. And that's a podcast for another day. But he did what was needed to get the Avalanche the Stanley Cup because the most important thing of Darcy Kemper's game, and I've been talking about this for two games with you. We didn't do a post-game podcast after game five because it was a late night and we had to prepare for our flights the next morning. It was chaos looking was, for flights. Yeah, it was chaos looking for flights, so we just kind of had to skip that one and, and you know bring you a game six podcast, win or lose. But I had told you that night after the Avalanche lost that just like he did in game four, Darcy never allowed the Tampa Bay Lightning to get that two-goal lead because when you have that fucking monster at the other side, the incredible best goalie in the world, you can't allow the Lightning to get a two-goal lead. And in game four, when the Avalanche made the comeback win, they trailed 1-0. They trailed 2-1. They wanted an overtime. In game five at Ball Arena, the Lightning scored the first goal. The Lightning took a 2-1 lead. The Lightning took a 3-2 lead. Not allowing them to get the two-goal lead is what kept the Avalanche in it and kept the Lightning on their heels. And it was the same thing tonight. Tampa Bay scored really early. They had a power play. They failed to score on that. They scored really early. The rest of the first period, there were a number of chances for them to go up 2-0 or 3-0, and that's when Darcy made the saves he needed to save. So do his numbers look great? Absolutely not. Did he only win 10 games? Sure. Did he have a couple of injuries? Yes. But in the Stanley Cup final, when it mattered most, he made the saves that needed to be made to keep the Avs in it with easily the best team in the salary cap era, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, I mean... Uh, moving away from the goalie here, I mean, there's just so much fight in this team, and we've seen it all year long, right? And I think that has everything to do with the belief in themselves, the buy-in of the structure and the way they've been playing. And I don't think there was ever a game where they thought that they were out of it until the very end, right? And until the w final buzzer rang, they knew that they still had a chance, and that's what we've seen. The, the so much fight, and I've talked about it a million times, the mindset of this team was what impressed me the most this year, right? That even-keel attitude that... We're not done. Job's not finished. We're not celebrating anything till the final raising of the cup. And there you had it. The, the relief, the smile on Nathan McKinnon's face said everything, right? We never see that guy smile. He's been so stonewalled this entire playoffs. And there you had him raising that cup over his head. Yeah, I think the coolest thing about that final right there was, look, we saw them take a, we saw them take a two to one lead into the third period. And then we saw them shut it down. The Tampa Bay Lightning's first shot of the third period came with, I think it was nine and a half minutes left. And it was Ryan McDonough shooting a, a muffin from center ice on Darcy Kemper just to kind of make sure he's still there, still alert. And then after that, they only ended up, I believe, with 23 shots in the game. So by my math, that's only four in the third period. Even when the Tampa Bay Lightning pulled Vasilevsky late and they tried to cycle and get pressure... The Avalanche just wouldn't allow them to get anything set up. They kept clearing the puck. They kept forechecking and keeping it to the outside and getting it down to center ice. They didn't give a crap about the empty netter. They just wanted to make sure that the Lightning didn't have a chance to even get an opportunity, a good look at Kemper late in the third. 
and they kept them to the outside the entire way. The final buzzer didn't sound like when the Penguins won in 2009, one of my favorite Game 7s in NHL history, where Marc-Andre Fleury had to go from one side of the crease to the other and make a diving save on none other than Nicholas Lidstrom. It was nothing like that. The Avs were forechecking in the offensive zone. Gabe Landeskog was battling near the empty net that Vasilevsky had escaped from to pull the goalie for the extra skater when the final buzzer sounded. So even in that last moment, when the Tampa Bay Lightning looked like they were going to get their opportunity to tie it up, this team's mindset said we're not coming this close to piss it away to a Game 7. Well, and more to that, they're going into the third period with a 2-1 lead. They had every excuse to park the bus, play a defensive game, exactly. and do nothing but keep Tampa Bay away from the net. But they did the opposite. They pushed on the gas. They went for offense. They went for more goals. Yep. None got by, but they controlled the pace. They controlled the puck, and that's really ultimately what got it done was that third period. I'm so amazed at what they did in that third period with a lead despite it being a 0-0 period. I mean, they really only won one period tonight, but that's all that was needed to get it done. Yeah, and... Uh you know, you were obviously on your flight here this morning, but Miko Rantanen after morning skate said that he he openly admitted that it was nerve wracking and, and, and almost uh, a lot of pressure put on them to win that game in game five. You know, you have all the families and everything. And you and I remember when we walked out of the media scrum room after game five and we had to walk around the outside of the rink to get to the other side where Jared Bednar speaks post game after the Avs lost game five. We walked by this large crowd on our way out and it was the families everybody's wives and girlfriends and mothers and fathers and brothers and sisters and aunts and uncles, just a ton of family. And I looked around and I'm like, yeah, the pressure got to them today. Having everybody here ready for you to do this. So that brings me to Miko Rantanen. He openly admitted that. And then he said the second time will be easier. And you felt that because in game one, the avalanche, I don't believe they gave up. Wait, they did give up the first goal. So scratch that. But when they gave up the first goal, you can tell there was like this, tension in, in the building at Ball Arena that they weren't playing their best. They were playing safe, as Jared Bednar said it. Uh, they kind of got away from their game. Tonight didn't feel that way. Tonight, the Tampa Bay Lightning scored the first goal on just a ridiculous bounce. Kale McCarr's got control of the puck. Nathan McKinnon and Kucherov are battling behind the crease before McCarr took it. McKinnon wins the battle on Kucherov. Kucherov falls to the ice, and by falling to the ice, he hits Makar's stick, which deflects the puck to Stamkos for a clear shot on Kemper. So it was just a strange bounce to get that first goal, and they never let it get away from them. The Tampa Bay Lightning, they didn't outshoot them 17-4 like they did in the, in the game four. The Avalanche actually had the next seven shots after the goal before the Lightning poured it on at the end of the first period. But it didn't feel like game five where they were starting to get that, let that stress get to them, let the, the tense feelings get to them. And tonight should have been the night where they feel that way because you're on the road. You're playing the two-time defending champs. You know that this team can do it. There's a saying in hockey that somebody gets tampered. The Toronto Maple Leafs got Tampa Bayed in the first round. The New York Rangers in the third round, they got Tampa Bayed. The Florida Panthers, they got annihilated in Tampa Bayed. The Avalanche wouldn't allow that to happen to them, wouldn't allow it to get to a game seven because you know going into a game seven against this team. Well, now it's a coin flip. It's anybody's game. All right, guys, let's take a quick second to talk about our friends over at Total Beverage. Everybody knows Total Beverage in Westminster and Thornton, right? Sure, Total Beverage has an incredible selection of beer, wine, and spirits, but did you know they deliver? Did you know that they have curbside pickup available? And did you know they do online wine education classes? If not, it's time to get to know Total Beverage again. Stop by on 104th and Thornton or on Sheridan in Westminster and see for yourself. Or you can always find weekly deals, events, and even drink recipes online at TotalBev.com. Total Beverage, everything you need and more. You know what? While I'm at it, 
It's the Stanley Cup final. We got to give a shout out to our other guys over at Superbook Sports. Summer is here, and there's no better time to make your first bet with Superbook Sports. Along with its usual vast betting menu, Superbook already has a lineup for every pro football game this fall. Plus, when you make your first deposit on the Superbook app or sign up at Superbook.com, they will match 100% of your money up to $500. It's never too early to start thinking about football at Superbook Sports. Place your bet and start winning today. Visit Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. So... I tweeted this earlier, um, but I was given the opportunity to vote on the consmite. There was 18 voters from the Denver chapter of the PHWA, the Professional Hockey Writers Association. It was, association. It was myself, Mike Chambers, and Peter Baugh. There was also a couple of Tampa Bay Lightning writers, and then all the big shot national guys, your Pierre Lebruns, your Emily Kaplans, your Chris Johnstons, and, and people of the like like that. So I kind of went back and forth on second and third place, but I knew who my first place vote was, and it was the guy that wanted it was Kel McCarr. So I ended up with Nathan McKinnon 2 and Gabe Landeskog 3, all the while knowing that Kadri and Nichushkin were right there hovering, saying, let me in, let me in. And obviously you can't ignore Miko Ranton, it's 25 points, second on the team behind McCarr. But what I wanted to say about the Smythe is, for the first time in, I forget how many years, but for the first time since the votes have been gone public, according to Frank Saravalli, who's the head of the PHWA, Makar was the undisputed 18-0 first place vote. And that hasn't happened in probably ever. So that was really cool to see. Nathan McKinnon had 15 second place votes. Miko Rantanen had two. Nazem Kadri had one. But what an unbelievable playoff performance from Kel Makar, who was left off the score sheet today, but still finished the series with seven points in 20 games, because that's all it took. Let's not forget, the Avalanche went 16-4. and four. They went sweep. Six games, sweep, six games. They said, we can't win game sevens. We're just not going to play one. Kale McCarr in 20 games had 29 points. Just an incredible performance from a young defenseman who's 23 years old, who's on the first of a six-year deal, who in his future is not only going to win Norris trophies, he's going to win Hart trophies. He'll probably win another Conn Smythe. Kale McCarr is about to be elevated and catapulted into NHL legendary superstardom. And it all started with this season and that con smite that was much deserved. Yeah, I mean, this playoff run is really what put a lot of national attention, even international, if you talk Canadian, all the Finnish media, the Swedish media that's been around, on Kale McCarr. He's really arrived, right? In everybody's eyes, he's finally gotten here. And it was all because of this playoff run. But you look at this series itself, and I don't think you can pinpoint one player who made the biggest impact, one MVP, if you will, of the series. But Kale McCarr's overall work from the entire playoff run here, I think, is obviously what, what gives it to him. But that, again, that's just a testament to how good of a series this team had to put together here that no nobody was able to carry the weight by themselves. It was everybody holding the rope, everybody moving the right direction, and uh, and that's just what got it done, right? The ultimate team effort is what I saw out of this series. And I think what the Stanley Cup final did for me, or probably the entire playoffs, but most notably in the Stanley Cup final, is there's this sense of danger every time Makar has the puck. And I know that sounds silly because we've been watching him do phenomenal, incredible things for, what is it, three, four years now? 2021 and 22, three years and four playoff runs. We've been watching Kel Makar do incredible things. But in this Stanley Cup final, 
there was this danger to when McCarr has the puck, to when McCarr's moving at the blue line, to when McCarr's the last guy back on a defensive play, to when McCarr's taking the shots, to when McCarr's racing for a puck that I haven't seen from an Avalanche player ever, probably since the days of Peter Forsberg. And, and you know, that's no disrespect to other greats like Joe Sackick. That's no disrespect to Nathan McKinnon. But Kale McCarr has kind of elevated to this new status that you're looking at an Avalanche team that are just loaded with defense. You have Eric Johnson, who is a veteran and playing his role well. You have Bowen Byram, who who knows how long he's with the Avs for because you know this guy's going to want to run his own team one day. But he's kind of coming into his own. Josh Manson, just an incredible pickup at the dead, deadline that you don't even know if he's going to be around. And then obviously the the darkest dark horse and underrated defenseman in the NHL, Devon Taves, playing side-by-side Kel McCarr. And McCarr is on a league of his own above all of those guys, above Victor Hedman, who he just defeated, above Roman Yossi, who he beat in the first round, above Adam Fox of the Rangers and all these other defensemen. There is just this superstardom to Kel McCarr that we are witnessing right now, that we just witnessed, that we're going to see for the next decade. And God willing, he doesn't deal with a ton of injuries because if that's the case, like, look out. Yeah, I mean, Nathan McKinnon being the ultimate competitor he is, right? You know, he's happy to have won the cup. You know, there's probably a little bone inside him that's like, shoot, I wish I could have had that Conn Smythe. But without Kale McCarr, the Stanley Cup doesn't happen. I think Nathan McKinnon realizes that and is happy to let a guy like Kale McCarr take the reins on the on the Conn Smythe because he earned it. And uh, again, he's really what put this team over the edge from being a good team to being an actual contender. Hey, when Sidney Crosby won his first Stanley Cup, he was, I don't want to say a non-factor, but he wasn't that good. In Game 7 against the Red Wings, he actually got injured from the second period on and could barely take a shift. And the Conn Smythe Trophy winner was Evgeny Malkin. So McKinnon will get his moment because Crosby got his moment almost Seven, eight years later, he won two of them in a row. So McKinnon will get his moment, and there was nothing wrong with McKinnon's play. He was absolutely incredible. And for all the talk of Nathan McKinnon not playing his best or not producing, I should say, because he was, you know, he was playing pretty well, just not getting the goals, of all the talk of McKinnon not being able to find the back of the net, he was the one that scored the game-tying goal. He was the one that set up Lekkanen for the game-winning goal, and he came up at the biggest moment while Kel McCarr was left off the score sheet. So if you're an Avalanche fan and you've got Kale McCarr locked up for five more years, and I love the name Kale McCarr because you can't say McCarr without Kale. If you've got Kale McCarr locked up for the next five years at $9 million, Nathan McKinnon, who's got one year left on his deal but is eligible for a contract extension on July 13th and will probably get signed pretty damn quick, and those two guys are here, you might lose Manson. You might trade Bowen Byram down the line. You might lose Eric Johnson eventually. You might lose Nazem Kadri, you might lose Burakovsky, you might lose Kemper. But when you have those two guys, you just got to surround them with the right depth players, the Lekkonens of the world, the Nichushkins of the world, who I'm sure will resign, given he's Joe Sackick's top priority. As long as you have Nathan McKinnon, as long as you have Kale McCarr, you have the two pieces you need to elevate you as the top of the NHL for the next five to ten years. Yeah, yeah, can't, can't. Uh, forget about the guys in the depth, right? I mean, Cogliano was a huge piece to this team. Darren guy. Helm was a huge piece to this team. But uh, again, it was just it was everybody together moving the same direction and just wanting it for each other, right? So um, I wanted to get to Nazem Kadri because he struck me as the guy who was happiest to yes. raise the cup. He yeah. violently threw that thing in the air and kissed it and said, let's go and skated around the longest. So yeah, let's get uh, your thoughts on Kadri getting that thing finally off his chest you know that's something he's dreamt about forever and the ultimate competitor that he is he wanted that thing so bad 
Nazem Kadri was on Sportsnet TV after the game when the first wave of media was allowed on the ice, which were the right holders. And he said, everyone that thought I was a liability in the playoffs can kiss my ass. The absolute quote of the night. Look, we all know what Kadri's been through to get to this point. We all know the trade from Toronto and how he blocked the first time they tried to trade him to Calgary for TJ Brody. And then he got, you know, uh, eventually the writing was on the wall there that they were going to get rid of him because they ended up trading him to the ass for, t- for Tyson Berry. He didn't want to leave the Maple Leafs. He didn't want to have to move on, but he did. He comes to the Avalanche in 2020. He has the most incredible playoff performance of his life, but the Avalanche lose in the second round. 2021, he's pretty much the reason why they lost because for the third time in four years, he gets suspended and he gets exactly the right amount of games to miss the rest of the playoffs. Had the Avalanche found a way to beat Vegas in Game 6, it would have gone to Game 7. He would have been able to play for that game. But it was almost poetic in a very dark way for the Avalanche to lose in 6, for Kadri to not get a chance to play. Because, because you knew that he wanted to be part of that moment, and all it did was allow the entire hockey world to point their fingers at him once again because he was suspended at a time when his team needed him most in the playoffs for the third time in four years. He comes back this year. He has an incredible regular season. The best time of his life to do it, given that he's up for a contract and he's going to get paid a lot of money this year. He has an incredible regular season. He has an incredible first round. In the second round, he's subject to racism and Islamophobia and all of the shit that happens in the St. Louis series. Comes out the very next game and scores a hat trick. We saw him in the Nashville series going back to the first round where over and over again the, light, the Predators tried to get to him and you had Avalanche players pulling him away. Josh Manson jumping in and not letting him fight, not letting them get under his skin because everybody knows you can get to Kadri that quickly. So he had a different mindset. He dealt with what he dealt with against the Blues, came out and scored a hat trick. Has an incredible start to the series against the Oilers, gets knocked out of the playoffs by Evander Kane. Comes back tonight, or comes back a few nights ago, scores the game-winning goal in overtime. Comes out tonight and post-game when we were talking to him, he said, I took a six-week timeline and I turned it into two weeks because I wasn't going to miss this for the world. And he has one of the four game-winning goals in the Stanley Cup Final for the Avalanche. And you couldn't ask for anything less of this guy. And he absolutely is not a playoff liability. And whatever money he gets from the Avalanche or elsewhere, because we know he wants to stay, but the reality is the Avalanche can't afford to give him what he wants. Whoever gives him that money will be much deserved. Nazem Kadri is a Stanley Cup champion. And I've never seen a guy bask in that glory more than I have him. Just given everything he's been through, seeing his parents on the ice, seeing him and his dad literally jump each other with joy, and his mom joining on the celebrations, and his wife joining on the celebrations. It was an incredible moment for a guy that has had so many people say so many bullshit takes and have just the worst thoughts of who Nazem Kadri is for him to come out and be a champion like that. Yeah, I mean, looking back at this entire run, that hat trick where he goes to the crowd and puts his hand to his ear. Hands down, my favorite moment of this entire run, right? I mean, it was so symbolic. It was so, uh, I guess, just the biggest fuck you to the St. Louis Blues fans you could possibly give, and then beating them in in six games, um, an even bigger fuck you. So I guess with that, your favorite moment of the playoff run so far, or not so far, it's done. Yeah, (laughs) my favorite moment of the playoffs is game four against the Tampa Bay Lightning. That was the turning point. That was the point where the Avalanche could have been over backwards. They could have lost. 
and then they could have went back to Ball Arena for Game 5, suddenly tied 2-2. Two to two. They could have gotten Tampa Bayed. But who else but Nazem Kadri comes out on top and gets that last goal for the Avalanche in overtime in one of the most surreal moments we've ever seen, just a strange ending to the game. For him to be the one to do it was just incredible. He got the Avalanche to 3, and he got them to the to, to, to basically locking in the series. A 3-1 to one series lead, teams don't blow that. And for him to get the avalanche to that point, I mean, there isn't a guy on this team that didn't deserve it as much as he did. Agreed. Agreed. I think, uh, shoot, that's all the thoughts I have on tonight's <laughs> game. I don't know. Anything else you want to throw out there? Anything else you want to talk I about? I do want to talk about the order of the guys that got the Stanley Cup because I tried to... I was talking to you about this late in the third period, and I wanted to try to make my prediction for the five guys that would get the puck, get the cup, not the puck, but get the cup first. And I went Landeskog, Eric Johnson, McKinnon, Kadri, Jack Johnson. And then I said that Cogliano would be sixth, which obviously wasn't part of my tweet. Well, what ended up happening was Gabe Landeskog gave it to Eric Johnson. And I don't know about you, but I love the fact that Andrew Cogliano was third. Seeing a veteran like that get the cup third and then passing it to Jack Johnson. Yeah, I didn't expect it, but I loved yeah. it. Seeing that it went from Landeskog to EJ to those two vets, Cogliano and Jack Johnson, before it went to Nathan McKinnon, like all the respect in the world to Nathan McKinnon because you could argue he should have been third. Landeskog, EJ, McKinnon, and that's what I had. I thought he would get it after EJ, but it went to those two respected veterans first. Then it went to McKinnon, and then sixth place, the same Six that the Avalanche had, I had. Sixth place was Nazem Kadri, and that's when we saw him lift the cup with so much passion and just so much excitement. Vigor. Yes. That's just the like word. a big fuck you to everybody, yeah. and I'm going to celebrate this as well. And just, you know, you know, he's been through a lot in his hockey career, and that's just, again, I've used this word a couple times, but just so validating for him. <laughs> I finally got here. All the people in my life that have tried to hold me back, all the people in my life that have, you know, treated me uh, poorly, this one's for you right here, right? And that's yeah. that's the, that's totally the player he is. That's the style he plays with. Just the chip on the shoulder. I'm here to prove everyone wrong. 13 years ago to the exact day he was drafted by the Toronto Maple Leafs was today. June 26, 2009. The same year that the same day that Victor Hedman was drafted by the Lightning, the same day the Avalanche took Matt Duchesne, the same day that Nazem Kadri was selected by the Toronto Maple Leafs 13 years ago, and in those 13 years the player he's been, the factor he's been in the NHL, the point producer he's been in this league, the playoff performer he's been with the Avalanche in two of their three runs, in 13 years, he's only made $38 million. And I say only very loosely. I understand what that means you know, in, in the real world. But this is a guy that's about to get the most deserving, well-deserved contract extension you can, you can think of for any player. Because he's going to be 32 when next season starts. And if you flip around these two years, if his 22 season happened in 21, and then what he did in 21 where he had the poor ending to the regular season and then the playoff suspension happened now, he would not make that kind of money. But he made himself a lot of much-deserved money to make up for the fact that he was on a team-friendly deal before this, and it's all much-deserved. And I say that all the while knowing it's likely not coming from the avalanche, and if it does, it just means that he's a kick-ass guy that took another discount whether from term or, 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 or dollar amount. But I don't think it's going to come from the avalanche. But wherever he goes, he very much deserves every penny and very much deserves this glory. 
Yeah, we'll see uh, the way the offseason plays out. But, you know, Joe Sackick's going to do nothing but try to get this team right back here because he's done such a great job so far getting them here. He wanted this for them just as much as he wanted it for his own legacy. So Joe Sackick needs some credit here. Um, my final thought, who also needs some credit, and shame on us for honestly kind of skipping over this a lot for this regular season, but Peter McNabb, overcoming what cancer, getting to be here, watch the team guy. he loves, the team he lives for, Get to raise the Seeing cup. him on the ice after the game is just so awesome to see him come from where he came from and have the season he had where he wasn't even traveling with the team early on to end it that way was, was awesome to see because this is a guy that we don't know how much longer he's going to be doing this job for. But to have him on the ice there celebrating at the end was just, it was great for him. It was great for the Avalanche staff or Altitude TV. It was so great to see him doing that. Yep, absolutely. So anything else you want to say before we wrap up the uh, season here? No, that's basically it right now. It's... Uh, what is it now? One fifteen in the morning, almost. Eastern Doesn't time. feel like it. Yeah, crazy. Uh, running on straight adrenaline. But four <laughs> hours till my flight back to Denver. Uh, we got a lot more coverage coming. The uh, parade is happening very soon. I don't know the exact date, but we will be there covering it. A lot of coverage coming. A lot of writing coming. A lot of podcasting coming. But for this fifty-four day playoff run, that was the most incredible experience of my life. Watching the Avs win the cup was fucking awesome. Going on the ice afterward was fucking amazing. Everything about this was so cool. And to see the Avalanche finally do this after the last three, four years they've had, after the core that went through that 2017 season with Comfer and Miko and Eric and Nate and Gabe, to see them come to this moment, to be able to cover this, was an experience of a lifetime. And thanks to all of our listeners. Thank you to all of our readers. I hope to meet as many of, his, of you as I can at the parade. I hope to meet as many of you in the upcoming to meet as many of you in the upcoming seasons. But thanks so much for following along. This has been an absolute grind, but in the best way. Right, a big exhale, not only from us and Avs fans, but from the players. And of course, you know, here you are gloating about how we get to be on the ice with uh, that whole celebration. Of course, none of it's possible without the listeners and the readers. Right, they're the ones that put us here. So. Thanks so much to everybody for hanging out with us this season. It's been a blast. It's been a wild ride. We had some ups. We had some downs. We laughed. We cried. Yeah. Um, we got a lot more coming, though. But, yeah, uh, again, um, you know, I do it for the listeners. So of I course. appreciate every single one of you guys for liking our stuff and kicking with us this season. And, yep, we'll be back during the off season. But enjoy it, Avs fans. Uh, you know this one's for you just as much as it is for the players. So we'll see you at the parade in Denver. Thanks for hanging out with us this year. Let's if you made it this far in the podcast, bless your pretty little hearts. Let's make hockey for everyone. And we out ya. <laughs>